really do love parsley. <laughs> I do. It's it's like a one of those ancestral plants for me that, you know, I'm Greek, so my family always included it in cooking. And, and you know, when we think about any of the herbs that people use to decorate the plate, often we're good for digestion, right? Ah. Because, oh, that makes ah. sense. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> You are listening to Herb Mentor Radio by Learning Herbs. I'm John Gallagher. And I'm Tara Ruth. Today we're chatting with Krista Sinadinos. Krista is the author of The Essential Guide to Western Botanical Medicine and is the founder and director of the Northwest School for Botanical Studies in Fieldbrook, California, where she has trained hundreds of students. Krista has more than 25 years of experience as a clinician, a teacher, a gardener, and a medicine maker. You can learn more about Krista's work on KristaSinodinos.com and follow her at KristaSinodinos on Instagram. Welcome, Krista. Thanks so much for joining us. Yes, thank you. Thank you both for having me here. It's a pleasure. Yeah, and Krista, I met you at the California School of Herbal Studies as your student, so it's so beautiful to be kind of full circle here with you and chatting with you. And it was so fun to connect you to learning herbs and to Mm -hmm. Herb Mentor. And over the last year, you've written a few plant profiles or monographs for Herb Mentor, our online community. And you did one on Spilanthes and one on Aloe and Shepherd's Shepherd's Purse Purse is on its Mm -hmm. way too. Yeah. 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 And just, yeah. And they've been so beautiful and comprehensive. So thank you for writing those for us. (laughs) Oh, my pleasure. Thank you for asking me to do that. I really appreciate that. You connecting me with our mentor. I feel appreciative and grateful and happy to do this work. <laughs> well, my pleasure too. Yeah. Aww. And I'm just thinking about in your book, you know, you have so many different plant profiles, but one of the ones I'd love to learn more about from you is Angelica. And this okay. is a great herb to work with this time of year. And I'd just love to hear more about your connection with Angelica and for folks who may not know, like, what is this plant? And like, what does it look like? And how do you work with this plant, Fred? Yeah. Yeah, Angelica. Oh, I love Angelica. And um, that was an ally early on for me because, uh, well, I've worked with it almost 30 years. Back when I was a wee little herbalist, mm-hmm. and it was very thin at the time and cold often because I lived in Michigan. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so I was like, I love ginger. I loved all the warming plants. And mm-hmm. they quickly became allies. So I'm very fond of Angelica. And I love growing it in the garden. Um, there are some native species of angelica that are perennials, but angelica arch angelica is Mm. a biennial. So you don't get the blossoms until the second year and the first year, you're primarily getting the basal growth of the leaves, but it's, it's a wonderful plant to cultivate and has so many incredible medicinal uses, really gorgeous in the Apiaceae family or the Mm. Ombo family. Um, So the flowers look somewhat like an umbrella and there are numerous species of angelica that you can use, but the most commonly cultivated angelica is the European angelica or angelica arch angelica. And then there are, you know, native species growing throughout the mountain West. And I want to start by saying with this particular plant family, (laughs) Apiaceae, Mm-hmm. How how critical it is to make sure you you accurately identify them. For sure. Cost. Yes, tell <laughs> people like, tell people know, why, please. This identification could be fatal. So <laughs> if if you're one of those people, who do they like, have a warning I, label on the plant? <laughs> 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 How come no one's see, ever thought of that? <laughs> when you see the dead squirrels next to it, you're like, oh, something. 
kidding. <laughs> yeah, sorry, sorry. Yeah, no, it's a good, it's a good point. You can really, uh, things can go wrong quickly with this plant. So you really, it's a good reason to learn your botany. And uh, this is, you know, one of the things I'll tell my students, like, you know, you do not want to mess with this one. It's like, you know, like mushrooms, you know. One, mm-hmm. one wrong mushroom, <laughs> you don't, you won't be able to tell the story. So anyways, <laughs> totally. so this is a plant, you know, you really want to get to know in all of its various stages because, you know, as it's flowering and then you'll want to go back and identify, especially if you're in the wild, to go back and identify the plant and seed because that's one of the specific characteristics of some of the different Apiaceae families, that's the seed shapes and seed, mm-hmm. seed sizes. But with Angelica in particular, it's really lovely. In the first year, it develops its basal growth or the lower, you know, foliage portions of the plant. It's got these really gorgeous, innately compound leaves, mm-hmm. and they have these gorgeous sheaths at the base of the leaves. So the, and, and the flowers will emerge from the sheaths the second year. And it looks almost like someone's giving birth to a flower. It's just so beautiful. I love every morning, like going in the garden and just kind of watching the flowers grow and emerge from that sheath and eventually, you know, spread out into their humble shape. And um, anyways, the flowers typically are, are a white color. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there are many florets on the flowering heads. And there are some angelica flowers that have kind of a green color to them. So depending on which species you're looking at, you know, it'll have different color flower flowering heads. It has a very aromatic quality to it. And uh, the stems are always hollow. And so you want to make sure like if you, you know, you can look through the stems or you can cut the stems off and use them as a straw in your Bloody Marys, a decorative <laughs> Bloody Mary. It's it's kind of fun. Uh, I, I usually use lovage stems actually for that, but um, you can use angelica stems as well. And let's see, usually you you can harvest the roots at the end of the fall of the first year. So if it's had a full year of growth and before it's gone into flower. But I love the flowers so much that I, I actually kind of prefer to wait until the plant's flowered. And, and then I harvest it because it's a biennial. It will, you know, it has a two-year life cycle. So it's going to pass in ways. But um, beautiful brown roots, super aromatic. When you taste them, it's, it almost makes your tongue tingle a little bit. And then it's very pungent, aromatic. You can taste those like carrot family or umble family characteristics, like those high notes and just, yeah, that intense pungency and it's bitter. And some of the angelicas have a slight sweetness, but most of the wild angelicas do not. So mm. is, is that an adequate description of the plant for now? And I could talk about its medicinal uses. Yes, that's great. (laughs) All right. So um, there's a long history of use. This plant's been just used by every tribe where it grows. It's been used throughout Europe. So it's a really fascinating plant to research. They used to make, you know, beers with this or... Ales with Angelica because it enhanced digestion, and then it's included in so many other bitter formulas, Benedictine, Chartreuse, often included in uh, gins, vermouth. So, you know, people were always taking things that enhanced digestion because we didn't have refrigeration at the time, well, until the last, you know, century and a half, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know. My, my grandma had an ice box. <laughs> <laughs> they really would, totally. you know. They, the ice man would come over and bring a block of ice. She had a real fridge by the time I was around, but, you know, she still called it the ice box. Um, mm-hmm. So anyways, that, you know, food went bad. So people used a lot of spices and a lot of different types of you know, aperitifs and digestifs to enhance the digestion and warm their gut. Which brings us into some of the uses of Angelica. Um, 
it really has phenomenal properties for the digestive tract. It's, a, it's one of the few warming bitter herbs. A lot of bitter mm. herbs are more cooling in their nature, but this is very warming and it helps increase blood flow to the digestive tract and into the, the middle region of the body, helps warm all the internal organs. It stimulates both upper and lower digestive secretions. And like I was saying earlier, when you taste it, it causes a slight tingling of the tongue, which stimulates salivary secretions. And then it kind of works its way down into the digestive tract, and stimulates hydrochloric acid, and it also has both choleretic and cholagog properties. And those can all be really helpful for enhancing fat digestion. And then the lower digestive bitter actions really help stimulate, you know, protein, fat, and carbohydrate digestion. So you get all these wonderful qualities, you know, as a as an aromatic bitter. Plus it's a carminative. So it helps, you know, reduce gas and bloating and a ah, really great one for enhancing digestive secretions, warming the gut. And um, mm. so, so that's one aspect of the plant. So one of the other actions of Angelica, and I'll use a, a moderate dose when I'm using it as a smooth muscle antispasmodic. So when we think of, you know, there's smooth muscles and skeletal muscles and smooth mm. muscles are the muscles that line all of our, or not that line, but they're part of all our, of our hollow organs. So all of our, our tube-like structures. So, you know, the the bronchi, um, you know, the stomach, intestinal tract, uterus, bladder, etc. So Angelica in particular has smooth muscle antispasmodic properties. It really has an affinity for digestive cramps and can help stop you know, stomach and intestinal cramping, menstrual cramping, or uterine cramping. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, if you've ever had like, you know, been to a potluck and had, you know, a bunch of different types of food or slightly like undercooked garbanzos, you know, you just, um, or you combine a bunch of things and you get really, uh, like, you know, the rock in your gut kind of feeling. And mm-hmm. Joe is great for remedying that. And I'll start with like a dropper, sometimes two, depending on the species of the plant, but just mm-hmm. to see if that's enough. And if it's not, then you can take a little bit more. And when you say a dropper, Krista, is that a tincture that you're talking about? How do you, what kind of, you know, medium do you intake this with? Yes. In this particular instance, it would be a tincture. So Mm -hmm. about 30 to 60 drops is the average dose for intestinal spasms or uterine spasms. Great. So, and you can drink tea of this, but you know, it's a little more challenging for some people to drink the tea. The tincture is easier to get down quickly. And as far as like, you know, really wanting relief, um, if you're, if you're having bad cramps, the tincture works most quickly. It's also really beneficial for like slow starting crampy menses. So if you feel like, you know, a lot of people will get, um, intestinal and uterine cramps as they're starting their cycle. And um, mm-hmm. this really helps, you know, somebody feels really cold or their abdomen feels cold to the touch. That's kind of one of the in- indicators that I think of with Angelica, cramps that feel better for warmth, people who like heating pads, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Angelica mm-hmm. like goes in there. It's like a little blanket. It's a little heating pad. And, it, you know, it, <laughs> it warms everything up and relaxes the uterus. And it does actually have amenagogue properties as well. So it's a real specific herb for bringing on slow onset crampy menses and helping shed the uterine lining. So um, so yeah, it's a really lovely smooth muscle antispasmodic. So one other thing, you know, we talk about it encouraging the shedding of the uterine lining. Something I didn't know until I gave birth was um, that it, my midwife's told me that it will actually help the placenta to detach. And um, wow. 
Yeah. That, I had was, no idea. Well, I, I didn't either. And wow. it was so funny because, you know, I, I didn't know this at the time. I just delivered my son and they're like yanking on the, the cord. I'm like, oh, stop it. I just want to relax and enjoy my little baby. Um, mm-hmm. And so they're like, okay, get up, walk around, get around. I'm like, oh my God, please leave me alone. They're like, no, you got to <laughs> get the placenta out. We got to do this. And and so I'm like, why? You know, I didn't know that you can go into shock if you, mm-hmm. you know, within 30 minutes. So they were bugging me. No, I'm just kidding. They weren't really bugging me. They were very <laughs> sweet and incredible women. But I, I was like, just let me, let me relax. I did a lot of work here. So she, she gets, she's like, okay we're going to give you some Angelica. And I'm thinking, well, why do you want to give me Angelica? You know, I'm, I'm like in my logical brain, I was like, there's nothing, there's no reason to give me Angelica. I'm like, I'm not spasming, you know, mm-hmm. like da, da, da. I feel really warm, you know, that's constitutionally inappropriate for me right now. She's <laughs> like, shut up and take some Angelica. Yeah, she, she didn't really say that, but you know, so she, she pulls out this bottle of Angelica, which is actually from my company. I'm like, Oh, you have Alpine Meta Botanicals, Angelica. And she goes, yep, here, open your mouth. I'm like, okay. And I still logically did not understand why. And she, it was within like 15 seconds. It was so quick afterwards. Wow. Yeah. It was, yeah, extremely rapid. And I learned a whole, like, this was a plant I loved and, you know, had used and I learned a whole new use for it. And um, thank you to my midwives, Kate and Jenny and uh, Celine. So that's one additional use of the plant. And then, um, you know, looking at the lungs, it also has the antispasmodic actions in the lungs. It can be really good if you've got like a a hacking cough or whooping cough. And it also has aromatic expectorant properties and is an antitussive. So it really kind of warms the lungs. Generally, they say the lungs like warmth you know, warming mm. herbs are beneficial to support the lungs. So uh, this is a great one for individuals who, who have asthma, are wheezing, you know, have a hacking cough, um, but it is a little on the warming side. So when you think of fire and warmth, eventually that evaporates off some of the fluids, right? Mm-hmm. So you may want to include this with other mucilaginous herbs or, you know, something that's got demulcent qualities. Or if you notice, you know, the thing, the lungs are a little too dry, this may not mm-hmm. be the most appropriate antispasmodic. But, um, but yeah, it, it's beautiful for, a, you know, cough, cold, especially when people have a clear, profuse mucus or cloudy, mm-hmm. profuse mucus. And uh, and I combine it with other things like for asthma and dry cough with Aurelia, sometimes uh, elecampane, you know, depends mm-hmm. on what I'm treating. Sometimes gumweed for asthma. Anyways, really lovely lung herb. And then it's, it stimulates immune function. You know, it's, even when you taste it, you can feel almost that echinacea-like tingliness. Oh. Totally different chemical profile, but um, but yeah, definitely helps stimulate mm-hmm. you know white blood cells in the first stage of a cold or flu. So, so Krista, yeah, there's a lot of information you're sharing here about Angelica, and so if someone is listening to this and they're being introduced to herbs for the first time, or they're just in being introduced to Angelica, you know, when you hear so many things about herb, like where where do you start? Where's the best place to start for somebody to, to establish that relationship and learn that one or two things? Like you talked a lot about warming qualities, so it seems mm-hmm. to be an important element of it. So, um, Angelica. So when you properly identify, you know you have Angelica. What's that great first place to experiment? Like as I'm being introduced to this plant, because some of us learn they want to, you know, go through a list of stuff and try to learn that way. But you know, on the experiential side. 
You bet. Yeah, I love just sitting with one drop of either the tincture or a sip of, you know, sometimes just preparing a, a decoction and sitting with your face over it. So you have all those mm. aromatics wafting, you know, up through your sinuses and you can really feel the plant just heating up your body. But I love just the taking one drop or one sip and just really sitting with the plant, mm-hmm. trying to feel how it's moving through your body. Does it, you know, I have my students do this at the beginning of our class. We just take a moment, you know, sit with one tincture. You know, I don't tell them what it is because I don't want them to have preconceived notions about it. Mm-hmm. And just, you know, take a moment, get a feel for whether the plant's, you know, warming, kind of cooling, neutral, it's really hot, if it's cold, feel your body, if it's contracting or expanding, you know, you can kind of get that general idea with a plant if it's, you know, contracting and makes you shiver and cold or if it's uh, more expansive energy. I have people get a sense for whether it's got an upward or downward movement in the body. Sometimes you feel, you know, all this energy rushing to your head or, you know, you feel your feet more intensely. Some, so just getting a sense for what it tastes like, I have students like, does it go to any area of your body? You know, where does it go? You know, tracing it in your body or just in, in really trusting, you know, as you're tasting these herbs, just trusting what comes to you because your body, we have these wonderful ways of knowing, you know, that long before books existed in written language, like we've had this amazing connection with the plants and and animals have connect with the plants. And like, that's how we learn the plants originally, right? You know, trying little bits, you know, like it's really helpful to experiment with one plant at a time, try it in a bunch of different forms, try it as a, a decoction, you know, try the seeds, try a tincture, try it as a honey, maybe as a glycerite. I have my students prepare herbs in multiple ways. So even if it's a plant that you'd normally drink as a decoction, I just haven't tried it, you know, preparing it as an infusion, prepare it as a cold infusion. And that's what I've done with all these plants over time. That was like the advantage I had of working at the herb shop for minimum wage for many years was like, you got tea, right? So I would took every herb on the shelf and I would take one week with each herb and just let's try it as an infusion, a decoction, blah, 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 all these different preparations. Hello, Tara. Hello, Judd. This has been amazing. Krista sharing all this incredible information about Angelica. Um, when you have these experts like we have on here and they talk and they've written this book and they have these in-depth monographs and they're going talking about all the things that you can do with Angelica and whatnot, I, I can't help but think it might get a little dizzying for some folks listening. Like, it's okay, right? If you're listening <laughs> and, and only... Five, 10% of it got through, right? Totally. I mean, I some mean, of the things she was saying, I didn't even know. So, <laughs> right, right, right. And I, I remember one of my first books was a Michael Moore book. It was specifically about medicinal plants of the Pacific Northwest. He had all these regional uh, late herbalists that had all these great regional medicinal plant guides. And and I, I, I felt like I would go through those and like understand like a small percentage, but I got a little bit. Mm-hmm. And it seems like every time I went back and went through it, I learned a little more. Mm-hmm. 
Absolutely. You know? And I think that's kind of how, if you want to learn about a plant like Angelica, like it's going to have to go. Like you listen to this, you know, episode, and then you may go and then, you know, look it up on Herb Mentor, for example. Mm-hmm. Like, right? Like she's talking, we're talking about some things about botany. We have Botany in a yeah, Botany in a Day is a book by Tom Alpel, but we have a little course called Learning Your Plants that helps you utilize that book. And, you know, there are recipes. So you may just learn it one experience at a time. Maybe you make the recipe and then you go read a little bit about it. And then maybe you, you know, listen to this podcast first part again and get a little more information. Then over time, layer by layer, the wisdom develops. So are now that you've been studying herbs for some years now, Tara, and you, you know, you, do you find this to be true? Are you finding that? Absolutely. I mean, just even as you're describing it, I'm really thinking about how being an herbalist is a verb. It's a journey. Mm -hmm. It's not a destination. And so we can just be in this continuous process of learning and just following our curiosity. And it's really okay not to know everything. You can never know Mm -hmm. everything, but there's this beautiful resource out there, Herb Mentor, that can really help Mm -hmm. you along the way. Yeah. And that's why, you know, that's when I designed that. I was, you know, my, my mentorship, my my apprenticeship helped us understand that learning about herbs was like a spiral through every year. Like, you know, every year is a new level of the spiral and around the spiral, you're going in on the seasons and every season you're focusing on different aspects. You might focus on roots in the fall or it'd be you know, fresh greens in the spring, flowers in the summer when they're happening around you. And mm-hmm. every time that happens, to have a place to go and say, oh, you know, I just, I'm growing calendula. I'm going to look that up. Or, you know, or I'm going to see if there's a recipe here or see if there's a plant walk or a podcast or something to bring me a little deeper around that, you know, mm-hmm. journey around the spiral for that year. Because then you look back and you go, wow, there's so much I know. And then, but what what I know, what you know, what Kristen knows, what so many herbalists knows, all it's crazy is that you can have five or 10 knowledgeable expert herbalists in a room and they all know completely different things. For sure. (laughs) Because they have different journeys and there's Mm -hmm. not a box. It's not from a point A to point B thing. It just is what it is. And so I am saying that like, you know, there are great herbal courses out there. We, well, we have a lot on Herb Mentor you could take too, (laughs) but there are great herbal courses out there, programs, apprenticeships, schools. And, um, you know, and, and so I hope that our mentor for you can kind of plug into that experience and, mm-hmm. and help grow your knowledge in, in little bits here and there, give you inspiration, give you some knowledge, give you community, people to ask questions to. And, you know, that's why that's designed, not to be this all in all thing, but just to kind of be there for your herbal journey. Mm-hmm. I've certainly used it as a reference over the last few years when I was in herb school and beyond. So I'm really grateful to have Herb Mentor at my fingertips along my journey. Right. And you can you can go to Herb Mentor Radio. That's the podcast you're listening to, HerbMentorRadio.com. You can subscribe there to the podcast. But you can also go there and, you know, we might have a little uh, offer for <gasps> you wonderful listeners here on Herb Mentor Radio. A special offer. Special oh my offer. Goodness. No. <laughs> I had no idea. <laughs> so we'll let folks sit with that and maybe go check that out on your phone when you have a chance or your or your computer if you're still using a computer or your, or your tablet. But what I think we should do now, Tara, is we should probably go back to our interview. We probably, yeah, we probably should. <laughs> a little more on Angelica. So some yeah. good stuff. Contras. We're going to talk about Contras, right? Oh my gosh, I can't 
can't wait. I know you're talking about contras, but what are contras? So those who not know what a contra is? Oh, yes, contra. a contraindication. So ah. a reason or a moment when an herb wouldn't necessarily be, you know, good for you to take. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. One of those moments where maybe you don't want to take it. I don't know. Maybe it's not a good idea. All right. <laughs> totally. So uh, let's get back to it. some contras with Angelica, one of which is photosensitivity. And I just yes. wanted to follow that thread and hear if you had anything else to add about contras and Angelica. Yes. Uh, just definitely make sure if you are consuming this herb or administering it to other individuals, especially children, to make sure to avoid, uh, you know, to protect the skin and or avoid ultraviolet rays or prolonged exposure to the sun. And I definitely make sure to tell that to nursing mothers because it can really increase your ability and infants tender skins ability to burn so it passes through Mm -hmm. the breast milk and um so keep them covered for sure just one to be careful with and then the other contraindication is that you shouldn't be consumed during pregnancy because it's in a menagogue. And then the other thing is I use caution in this, or I actually tend to avoid using this herb in individuals who have extremely heavy menstrual or uterine bleeding, or if they have any condition like fibroids, ovarian or uterine cysts, or endometriosis, or if they just have heavy, you know, uterine bleeding period, just because it can really increase, you know, uterine blood flow. Um, Mm-hmm. bleeding and then oh um you know initially i talked about how this is such a warming herb um this is not an ideal herb for people who have hot flashes or at least to consume consistently or as a tonic would not be mm-hmm. great for individuals who have heat aggravated conditions night sweats hot flashes and one last thing is just like a high dose of this can cause slight nausea oh wow mm-hmm. Yeah, in some people. So, you know, if their stomach's real sensitive and it's it, it doesn't typically happen and it's usually great for digestion, but who knows? You know how some silagogue herbs can make people feel a little nauseous and they're on the edge? So, yeah. So other than those are the primary, you know, physiologic contraindications. And then just like we said, making sure you're 150% sure that you've harvested the right plant. And this is a great one to just start purchasing initially right. you know, buy, buy this this is like you know people want to grow a lot of their own stuff great mm-hmm. or but especially if you're wild crafting or harvesting this in the wild you really got to be sure of 150 uh, percent sure and i i do know it has killed people and i've had even people who are really good herbalists like have accidentally consumed the wrong one and ended up in the hospital they didn't die because mm-hmm. they had a little bit but it's it's not one to mess around with <laughs> Well, so so the underlying thing is like if you're if you're if you're a newer herbalist, especially, um, yes, we have one of these in, this, in the APACA family, the carrots family. Just be really careful of identification, and you may want to start with ones that that you've gotten seeds for or you've gotten starts from, exactly. and then just get to know them a bit first and really study their patterns and whatnot. And and so one I'd like to talk about as well in that family that caught mm-hmm. my eye in your book, Krista, was parsley. Because, you know, it's one it's a culinary herb. We often, you know, grow up with you thinking parsley is just a, a garnish on 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 a plate in a restaurant. I think that's where I first learned about it. <laughs> when I put the little sprig on the on the, you know, on the chicken before I 
take it to a table uh, before I could actually put it in, 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 in my dishes and go, oh, okay, you can eat this. It has flavor in yeah. my soups. So what about healing aspects, healing gifts of parsley and how would you work with this plant? you know, medicinally. Yeah. I love parsley. Um, I'll probably say that about every herb you bring up. Mm-hmm. I love it, but no, I really do love parsley. <laughs> <laughs> I do. It's, it's like a, one of those ancestral plants for me that, you know, I'm Greek. So my family always included it in cooking. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, when we think about that introduction and any of the herbs that people use to decorate the plate often work good for digestion. Right? Because, oh, that makes duh. sense. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> I never thought of that before. <laughs> and it also freshens the breath. Right. <laughs> so, right. So it's a good thing to have. You know, I love parsley leaf and I, I try to eat it in whatever form I can. My favorite is actually doing the medicinal foods tabbouleh with a with couscous or mm-hmm. you can, you know. Cracked weed is what's typically used, but there's some good recipes out there. You can make some gluten-free stuff if you're sensitive to gluten. But it is just rich and easily assimilated and nourishing vitamins and minerals. And it's, you know, it's, it's actually contains pretty high quantity of protein. Yeah, and it's got some a few B vitamins. You know, and then it's, you know, it's rich in calcium, magnesium, iron. It's actually pretty high in iron and a lot of other trace minerals. So it's a great way to kind of replete some of our minerals by consuming it on a, you know, on a regular basis. And it's, it's got, it's rich in chlorophyll. It's a, it's a good one for um, uh, individuals who have anemia, who are trying to replenish the blood. And just, you know, t- if you've got um, conditions like gout or arthritis, rheumatoid arthritis that are aggravated by an acidic environment in the joints, you know, this has a, an alkalinizing effect in the tissues. So in these cases, are we using, uh, you know, because of the aromatics, or, I mean, are we using a tincture or a tea rather, or? Uh... Actually for the um, consuming the leaf is ideal, or you can mm-hmm. juice it, juice it and freeze it. You can, what else could you do? I, usually just eating it, putting it in soups and you could make tea with it, but I don't often make parsley leaf tea eat it a lot right Mm -hmm. so or you can use it as a condiment there's one of my favorite condiments it's called it was introduced from my my in-laws and it's basically this delicious condiment that has parsley cilantro peppers a little cardamom coriander and cumin and sometimes they'll include um what is that sauerkraut herb what is it it's another abiaceae family but it is so good it's spicy caraway caraway thank you i I have like a caraway you know like boom i don't like it as much flavor wise so it's just Mm. i draw blank when it comes to that one (laughs) i wrote a big book so you didn't have to remember them all all (laughs) exactly did you notice I didn't write about that one? No, I don't mind it in kraut, but I'm like, oh, yeah, no. So anyways, it's a really delicious condiment, and you can make it with jalapenos, or you can use spicier peppers, and you can freeze it. So I usually prepare larger batches, and I put a little lemon and olive oil in there, and then you can cover it up with a little olive oil if you have an, if you open mm-hmm. a jar so that the leaves don't start turning brown. Oh, oh yeah, I forgot. And it has garlic in there. How could I forget that? Of so course. It's, uh, it's so delicious and it is, it really gets your digestion going. And I love having it like putting a little bit of slug and salad dressings or marinades or, oh my God, it's so delicious on eggs, omelets. I just, it's like my wintertime immune 
support. All right. I feel like you're going to need to write a blog post for us, Krista, on Schlug. Like, and I think we yeah. need to bring back Schlug to It's so good. Yeah. People. It's, it's, yeah. I started doing a, a recording on it because I'm like, people have to know about this. It's such an amazing yeah. medicinal food. I mean, garlic, peppers, parsley, cilantro, and all the digestive herbs. I'm like, this mm-hmm. is so good. So it's like, it's like a digestive immune system hit. Yeah. Yeah, I absolutely yeah. love it. So love it. a few other things that parsley is good for medicinally. It is a phenomenal antioxidant and it actually is anti-allergenic. So if you have any type of inflammatory conditions like allergies, oh. eczema, dermatitis, asthma, like inflammatory t- type asthma or atherosclerosis. This is a great antioxidant and really helps decrease inflammation body-wide and helps protect the body from oxidative stress. And just nice gentle detoxifier. It's really helps like excrete certain toxic minerals like cadmium. Anyways, Mm. and uh, what else? Great herb to use um, in individuals who have diabetes. Um, Mm. Yeah, it was one of the things I... I eventually learned about the plan. It helps uh, lower elevated glucose levels and helps prevent fatty infiltration of the liver, which is really, you know, fascinating. And uh, it's it's worth consuming on a on a regular basis. Krista, that's so it's so sweet to just hear about a culinary herb like this that I, you know, have used as a garnish many a time and haven't even thought about how, of course, a garnish herb is specific for digestion. (laughs) It's so cool. I love how much detail you go into with each herb. And it's making me think about in your book, The Essential Guide to Western Botanical Medicine, just like these beautiful, comprehensive plant profiles and monographs that you offer. And you've just put so much research and care into it. And I just want you to share with our listeners a little bit, like, what is this book that you've created? And, you know, can you talk a little bit about what inspired you to write it? And yeah, why, you know, listeners might want to check it out. Oh, why did I write this book? Well... (laughs) In all honesty, I was like, there's something missing. Um, because yeah. when I, you know, I love I love studying plant medicines. And when I began my, you know, journey as an herbalist, I really, you know, it was the eighties. So there weren't that many reference books available. At the time, there was just like John Lust's book or John Lust, the herb book. There was like mm-hmm. a Dr. Christopher book, which I didn't quite connect with as much. And then there was A Modern Herbal by Maud Greaves. And I love that book. I love mm. the depth and of, you know, the botanical descriptions and the historical uses. It was really fascinating. And I loved how organized it was. But there weren't that many other books available at the time. So I just used those all were like my little Bibles. I'd read them all the time. And I started, you know, studying this actually in high school. So during oh, cool. reading time. Yeah. So I was like, oh, what can I learn about herbs? And I, you know, got very interested in them. And there were very few herb books by females other than that Maud Grave book. And then a few years later, a lot, you know, we really had during the quote unquote herbal renaissance, you know, when a lot of the students of Dr. Christopher started practicing herbs. And so that's when we get that whole generation of like, you know, Rosemary Gladstar, David Hoffman, um, just tons of books started coming out at that time. Anyways, so that was wonderful and a joy to read, but a lot of the people weren't practicing. And so I really longed to have, Rosemary was, and a few other people were, but Mm -hmm. then I just started seeing like books that have, you know, every possible, you know, use of the herb in one paragraph, but no, it didn't really feel like it was 
developing the character of the plant or that they, mm-hmm. you know, just it wasn't that engaging for me. So I was like, I really want a book written by a clinical practitioner who is incorporating these in their practice and seeing how it's working. And the people who I was studying with, they practiced, you know, Adam Seller, Michael Moore, right. they had practiced mm-hmm. for many, many years. And so I really came to value that as both a student and eventually as a teacher, but as a student and a reader. And so there were many, many people rewriting the same thing in herb books that had not practiced herbalism or had just had a few clients. I'm like, huh, they're all rewriting the same things. Uh (laughs) Sometimes they're like myths that are like, you know. Yeah, right. That everyone keeps writing about. And I'm like, that is just simply not true. So Mm -hmm. anyways, so I... um, I eventually, after collecting all this information, I love Materia Medica. I eventually read a lot of the eclectic manuals um, and their real detailed uses of herbs. I love all the how they characterize plants. And there was kind of like this war between, you know, the, the homeopaths and the herbalists. And everyone was kind of trying to, you know, or the eclectic herbalists at the time and the physiomedics. And they were all trying to like, you know, outright each other. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm smarter than you. No, uh, <laughs> they came up with these very um, detailed monographs on herbs, and I loved just reading about them and like going like, okay, when you know someone has a tongue that's purple and sleek like beef, that's an indicator for this particular plant. And you know, it just it wow. really kind of developed my image of the plant and who to use it for. And mm-hmm. anyways, you didn't see that in a lot of the current herbals, so. Over all the years of bringing all that together and then administering herbs in both my practice and students and then having an herbal company, I really wanted like a tincture company, basically, Mm -hmm. and using these plants and hundreds of people. It's like, oh, I want to, it's about time, you know, I'm 25, better do this before I lose my memory. And um... (laughs) (laughs) so Krista, you know, it's like I have gone to many bookstores or people might go to bookstores and look for herbal books and they see, you know, all these different ones are not sure to which ones to get. And many of them will have like, you know, 300 herbs and 500 herbs and yeah. all this kind of stuff. Now, thing is when you, your book, your, this book, cause people can't see the book that we're talking about now. It's a big book. It's like, it's huh. this, this is, this looks like a college textbook of bigger yeah. and it is detailed. And is I just want to point out too, that it's also self-published and right and so yes. and and so you know making this and doing this it, it costs a lot to do so yes. when you look at the book and you're considering it i just want to point out that you know this book may replace 10 other books that you might mess with and go oh this, this is an information i can trust or i don't know if this is good information and 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 that and your book is like this is information you can trust and it's always great to invest in information that you know is being written and created by herbalists who know their stuff. And so I think this may be one of those books that people should put on the gift list for themselves, you know, whether holidays or a birthday or something, because it's not like other books. It's kind of one that's always going to be at your fingertips, has so much that you need. And I think that was your goal, right? In making it to be that book. Yeah, I wanted it to be a textbook that people could use for their programs. I'm really excited because four schools picked it up as their primary clinical text, which I'm thrilled wow. about. Yeah, and and then I wanted it to be really comprehensive. And to be honest, you know, a lot of publishers will not 
include as many photos as they wanted to include. Mm. And they want your book to be a lot shorter and they don't want the details. So I'm like, I'm going to do this exactly how I've always wanted to do it. And I, you know, I was a little selfish about it because I wanted it to be a long, comprehensive book with more detail than is available. And I, I, like I said earlier, I just really wanted to feature multiple pictures of each plant. And that was something as I, you know, spoke with other authors, they're like, wow, you have so many incredible photos in here. How, how did your publisher let you do this? They don't normally do that. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, well, that's why I self-published because I wanted more than a thousand color photos. And, and this woman who I worked with, Barbara Landy, who designed the book was incredible. Like we spent, I thought we were going to spend four months designing this book and it ended up being more than two years. And, um, and because it's self-published, it, it, it cost a lot of, you know, I hired, I hired an yeah. editor, two editors for six years and this designer. And I was like, okay, why am I doing this? You know, but I did it and I'm so glad it's done. I love the feel of the pages, you know, it, it's like, and I, I love doing weightlifting with it because it's almost. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> it is, it is 100% handcrafted artisan, GMO free, organic. <laughs> Exactly. And, free. Um, think of that because, you know, the herbalist created it, all the love, all the years and everything. Yeah. And it's the, yeah, I mean, and it, and no matter what level or herbalism or experience you have from beginner all the way to clinical, there's going to be information in there that you can use. And I love that in a book when I can, you know, it stays with you for, 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 the long run. Mm. I mean, I have a few books that I've been referencing for two decades and now yeah. I have this on my shelf. It's one of the Aww. ones that are right in, you know, right at my fingertips. So this one to kind of make sure people, you know, kind of. Got yeah. That. Yeah. It's a special book. It's like, yeah, it's, you're treating yourself, you know, or <laughs> yeah. keep, like start dropping the hint before the holidays. And a lot yeah. of people have done that. They're like, I, I've told, you know, this is what I want for whatever my birthday you know i'm like it's a special book and Hmm. i'm like yep keep dropping the hints to your friends and family (laughs) and bring your copy with you if i ever take a class by krista she'll autograph it i'm sure and uh, and speaking of which krista you know at your at your website kristasinadinos.com you have everything i i'm i know you've got the book there people can find that there but also you know, classes, if you're teaching, do you have all that on there too that you might be doing? Oh, you know, I have a separate website. Oh, okay. Uh, Tell, us about, classes. Tell us about it's, that. It's, um, yeah, for my school, the Northwest School for Botanical Studies. I'm actually in the process of updating that, but you can access the information there. It's just herbaleducation.net. Good, um, you are yeah. herbal education. <laughs> thank you. It's, <laughs> um, you know, it's what I do. So, so, you know, things have changed a little bit, um, now that I have the book and, you know, post pandemic, I'm primarily teaching online. That's fine. And then I'll be teaching some conferences as well. Keep an eye out and I'll post those on the website when I'm up and at it. And, um, I'll, as far as the newsletter, I tell people when classes are happening and mm-hmm. they can sign up for that through my through the book website or kristasenadinas.com because now we can go back to conferences. Probably yeah. be at the International Herb Symposium this June. But yeah. Oh, okay. And can really will be teaching there too. So oh, great. I, I think Tara will be there. So yeah. Oh, hey. I'd like to. I have a conflicting thing, but I, oh. I um, I'm trying. I'm trying. It would be wonderful to be there. 
I hope you make it there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so I imagine you'll have some copies of the book there too, but get it before that. Thank so. you. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like, I'm not sure I'm going to schlep them across the country, but that's okay. I'm like, <laughs> I'll give people discounts and I'll sign them and send them. I was like, yeah, I don't think, they're heavy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> myself purple tunnels shipping these things out. Yeah, yeah, you don't want the book itself to be a cause of disease. Right. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm going to turn this into an ebook so I can... You know, keep it going for the, as I get older. <laughs> totally. Ah, well, Krista, thank you so much for chatting with us on Herb Mentor Radio. And just a reminder to all our listeners, you can check out Krista's work on kristasinadinos.com and follow her on Instagram as well. And it's just been such a pleasure chatting with you today. Thank you. Yes, absolutely. Tara and John, thank you so much. It was wonderful. So good to connect with you. And thank you so much for having me on Herb Mentor. It was fun. It was an honor. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, it was a joy. It was an honor as well. So thank you both. Herb Mentor Radio is written and produced by John Gallagher and Tara Ruth. Sound engineering by Zach Frank. Visit HerbMentorRadio.com to subscribe on your favorite podcast app and for information on how to be part of Herb Mentor, your home for herbal education. Herb Mentor Radio is a production of TheLearningHerbs.com, LLC, all rights reserved. Thank you so much for listening.